Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Katie Mox and Will Brinson here, joined by Sportsline's finest, RJ White and Alex Selznick. If you like winning picks, make sure you sign up at sportsline.com and use the code PICK, P-I-C-K, to get your first month for just $1. If you missed the last episode, Brinson, Brady, and Liget talk Super Bowl odds. You can check it out on our YouTube channel or anywhere that you get your podcasts. Today, we finally made it, you guys. It is the first day of the NFL season. We're going to go through every game on the week one slate and give out our best bets. Uh, Please note, everyone, though, that lines and odds are subject to change all the way up until kickoff. We're hitting these lines at about 2 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, so make sure that you check with your book before tailing any of these bets. Uh, Guys, welcome to the 2023 season. How are we feeling? Glad Glad it's finally here. Glad it's finally here. Uh, RJ and uh, and uh, Prop Stars, I do want to say one thing. It's the it's the first game of the season. A lot Maybe there's some new bettors that are listening to us or people that bet all the time. What are some tips that you guys have for the first week of betting? Because you could look at last year's stats, you could look at the preseason, but this is really the baseline uh, for this season. So any advice you guys have? We'll start with you, RJ. Yeah, there's two lines of thought. So one, these are the sharpest lines you're ever going to see because people have been betting into them for months. So it's going to be harder to beat them if the market is correct on the the strength of these teams. And that's point two. This is when I have the most success early in the season because I, you know, I dig into these teams so much throughout the offseason that I think I have the edge thinking certain teams are better than worse than the market does. So you take advantage of that. You can have a lot of success early in the season, even in week one, even against lines that have been bet, you know, so thoroughly by the market at this point. Yeah, and as far as I'm concerned, guys, I'm primarily betting almost exclusively player props, and that's a completely different uh, strategy. These lines are going to be the softest, in my opinion, early in the season. So the majority of my betting volume is going to take place over the first kind of 30 to 40 percent of the year. Probably week one, I'll end up finishing with something between 25 and 40 picks on props. So taking advantage of a very soft market, especially early as the season progress uh, progresses, the books tend to catch up up a bit so this is where you'll see the majority of my volume yeah and i think you know one of the things is like you it it, i think early season betting is interesting from two two factors one it's like you know we all have everybody has their priors and their takes and their and their uh you know their not biases but sort of like what you know your your beliefs about what how the nfl season is going to play out and if you are correct you you have to you have to determine pretty quickly if you're right or wrong about some of those uh, you know, preconceived notions and you have to like adjust your priors pretty quickly. Like, you know, if the, 
like if let's say you think the Ravens are going to be incredible on offense with the Todd Munkin system and they kind you know, and, and like you're leaning into that, um, you know, or vice versa. You think they're, you think they might struggle because they're switching to a new system. Like you need to be, be ready to adjust that within the first couple of weeks or really every team, because teams are going to be teams that we don't think they're going to be good are going to be good. And teams that we think they're going to st- are, are going to stink might be good or might be, you know, or teams that we think are going to be good could end up stinking. You know, it's, 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 it's just something you have to adjust quickly. I feel like. Yeah, take take the example of the Buccaneers last year. Buccaneers, everybody's waiting for them to turn it on at some point. They were like minus three forty to win the division, and yep. they barely won it. And they they cashed for those people that bet it, but they did not look good all season. And just betting on them every week to turn it around did not work out for a lot of people. Definitely like, did not. All right, like when the Rams come out scorching this year. Oh, you we nerds! Get- you're gonna have to readjust your priors. Okay. MVP. Yeah. You heard it here first. One, well, that was one of uh, Brinson's bold uh, prediction is that Matt Stafford would get at least one MVP vote. And it all starts this weekend. Right, Brinson? That's right. No, Co- no Cooper Cup. The storyline's there. Yeah, I'm not really I'm not really thrilled about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be thrilled about it either. All right. One other thing I'm not really thrilled about. I mean, I am thrilled and I'm not. Let's start with uh, the, the first game we're going to talk about. Niners at Steelers. Niners laying two and a half. This total 40 and a half. Two of the best defenses in the league, as we know. Uh, Nick Bosa got paid. <laughs> and then some $171 million. We have two of the highest paid uh, defensive players of all time on the field with him and TJ Watt. Uh, Brinson and RJ, y'all are on the Steeler side of this. Um, so we'll start with you, RJ. Why, why are you taking the, uh, the points here? Yeah, I think the San Francisco offensive line might be a weakness outside of left tackle. Pittsburgh has that elite pass rush and they can knock around Brock Purdy. And will he have success under pressure that he didn't face a lot of time last season? If the offensive line isn't elite, um, he, he's, he's, Practicing in full, um, but he may not be 100%. We'll see how that elbow looks over four quarters. You got George Kittle dealing with a groin issue. He probably plays, but he's not 100%. And the Pittsburgh offensive line also has question marks. Bosa can rip him up too, but you know his snaps might be limited come, coming back there. Um, so I don't know. Pittsburgh can make this an ugly defensive game, pull off a shocker. I, I think I, I'm also lean to the under. It's now 41 and a half. I don't yeah. know why it's gone up because Bosa's coming back. But um, right. a, a, over that key number of 41, I, I would lean to the under there. But I think Pittsburgh plus two and a half, they, they're a lot better than people expect or you know consider um, based on uh, Pickett's performance last year. He's going to be better this year. So I think that they're going to pull off a shocker here. Yeah, I think uh, a couple of things here. One, how about Nick Bosa signs his contract, he's guaranteed to play week one, and the line moves half a point away from the Niners because it was yeah. San Francisco minus two and a half. That is so much suspicious. Like, that yeah. is this is a little stinky when something like that happens. Um, and as RJ points out, the, the total goes up. I think in we've seen Kyle Shanahan teams and the Niners sort of struggle in these road games. You know, you think back, I know that Chicago game was weird. Trey Lance was starting tons of rain and all that. We just seen them sort of come out a little flat in week one at times. And I think this is a season for, for Pittsburgh where like who's, I mean, people are, people are on Pittsburgh in the sense of like taking their totals and thinking they're kind of a longer shot and like a, a sleeper for the playoffs. But I mean, they're being treated as like, you know, like by far the fourth best team in this division. And like, it's possible that they, I mean, they can go win this division if Kenny Pickett takes some kind of big leap forward. I, I don't know that he's going to take this massive leap, but the offensive line has really improved. They have tons of weapons. George Pickens is going to be a monster. And then defensively, they should be stout there. I think Mike Tomlin does a really good job, um, you know, just as a head coach in general. And I, I think I think Pittsburgh will just be – I think Pittsburgh have a little chip on their shoulder here with it, with the Niners getting all, like, all this hype, all this attention. Pittsburgh sort of flying under the radar, and you're catching two at home uh, with, with what should be a much better Steelers team than people anticipate – I will take the Steelers. I think the Steelers win outright. 
Yeah, look, I obviously hope that you guys are wrong as a 49ers fan. I don't I don't hate these picks either. Like you guys both said, Shanahan offenses tend to start a little bit slower. The Steelers haven't lost their home opener uh, in three years. Kenny Pickett has looked really good. I also, RJ, am on the under in this one, under the 41. These are two of the best defenses um, in the league. Uh, I do think it probably might take a little bit for Brock Purdy to kind of get up and running, especially when you got TJ Watt coming after you. Um, so I will lean uh, to the under in this one as well. I will say that the Niners gave up about six 16 points uh, per game last year. The defense uh, and the Steelers average about 20. So that is hitting under this mark. Yeah, and I've got a player prop from this game that I am very excited about. I gave this out on the Sportsline site already. So if you are a member, you would have had access to at least five or six yards of closing mm. line value. But that is Brandon Ayuk over 46 and a half receiving yards. I believe the current number is somewhere between 52 and 54. But I love this spot for Ayuk uh, coming off a career year last year, a thousand yards, nearly 100 percent route participation with Brock Purdy. He's really firmly established himself as one of the really good, very young wide receivers in the NFL. We mentioned George Kittle not being 100%. There's a chance he misses the game uh, if he does suit up, may not be out there running routes uh, at, at the degree you'd want him to be. So that just funnels some more targets potentially to Ayuk. And yeah, I really feel this number at 46 and a half, way closer to Ayuk's floor than his ceiling. Uh, the market would certainly agree considering the numbers up to 53, 54. So yeah, this is a really good spot to back Ayuk in my opinion. Uh, nice grab there on that uh, the, the value those player props. I mean, you got to get them early too, and it's like the good news about the player props too is they come out. They started coming out earlier now that because there's more options. These these books want to get the action, so they put them up early. Uh, and so make sure and check out Sportsline. Use promo code PICK. Yes, first month for a buck. Panthers at the Falcons. I got to pick up on Sportsline. Not all of them, RJ. I'll get them all up soon. But I got I got to pick for Thursday night up. Proud of me for doing that, aren't you? Be prouder if you had them all up. I know. I, know, I, know. I, had, I had some stuff. <laughs> um, I'll try and do them during the show. But first, Panthers at Falcons. Falcons are minus three and a half here. Actually getting a juice a little bit towards Atlanta as well. Total 49 and a half. Um, this is, you know, this is one of those games. I mean, well, now you see the total down 39, 39 and a half. Excuse me, not 49 and a half. Um, but you got this two teams in the NFC South where – like we, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for these teams. I don't know if that's because like it's a me being in this, like me being like living in North Carolina and living in the South type of thing or being really high on the Falcons uh, situation. But it's, yeah, I, I think I'm really interested to see both Bryce Young and B. John Robinson, you know, in this game. I mean, we got, you know, we're talking two, you know, the first overall pick and then a guy who's taking the top 10, who's like the expectations, his, his season long player uh, rush total is like 1150 yards. That's insane for a rookie. Uh, he's the favorite to win the rookie of the year. Bryce Young's the next, the next closest favorite. And I, I think it's just interesting because the Falcons have gotten a lot of attention this offseason. Carolina's gotten a lot of attention for their offensive line and the concerns that it has there. And you see that three and a half Atlanta minus three and a half. For me, this is too much too many points. It's a divisional matchup in week one with two teams, like two teams that we know we don't we know we kind of like, but we don't know that much about. So uh, I, I'm I've got the Panthers plus three and a half is one of my best bets. Do you have anything here, RJ? I would lean that way. The thing that kept me away was the top three Carolina receivers dealing with injury. I don't know if we see Thielen or Chark in this game, and that's, that's right. a problem for the rookie quarterback. You know, maybe Jonathan Mingo goes off for a massive game, and and we look back, and this was his coming out party as a number one receiver. But, you know, you got to see it to believe it. So very low total in the game, 39 and a half. I think that's what leads me to a smaller margin of victory. So I would take the, pl the plus three and a half, but because of those receivers, I didn't want to play it. 
All right, moving on to the next game. Uh, Texans at the uh, Ravens. This is, I think, the only double-digit spread of yeah. the weekend. Yeah, Ra- Ravens laying 10 here. Obviously, we know that uh, the Texans are pretty banged up. This one is going to be on CBS Sports Network uh, at 1 p.m., also streaming on Paramount+. Plus. So make sure that you grab it there. Uh, I mean, Houston Texans plus 390 on the money line if you're feeling frisky. Minus 510 for the no, Ravens. This no, 40- no, no. <laughs> I'm out of the Texans. We're not feeling that frisky. Like- uh, 43 and a half, yeah, is the total... What were you gonna say, Brinson? Well, I was gonna say like I keep I keep coming back to like these like week one games that we've seen from Lamar and and even the Greg Roman offense. I don't. I mean, like I think Todd Monk is gonna want to show out and like yeah. and like and like pull like I think the I think the Ravens and John Harbaugh are unafraid to just obliterate somebody in in the, in the first week of the season. And so like I, I want to take the Texans. I think the ten is is intriguing. But all I can think about is just watching like Lamar heave like bomb after bomb down the field to this new group of receivers and just like having knowing that like what a mistake it was to get involved with Houston here. Yeah, I I mean, I, my power ratings have it at minus 12 and I would play wow. the Ravens if I thought that we would get the Ravens. But I'm not sure you're right on that sense. I think with Cincinnati at Cincinnati in week two, why not save some of their new wrinkles for that game? Why not just go out and put in a workman's like effort, go out and beat Houston um, by seven, by by what six, whatever it takes. Um, this, I wanted to play this anyway, though. I want to play Houston's team total under 16 and a half. This is a very tough test for CJ Stroud in his debut. Baltimore's defense third in points per game allowed last year. Going to be great again this year. Baltimore's not deep at cornerback, and I think Humphrey's dealing with an injury, but it's not like Houston has the receivers to take advantage of it. Some of the, the least proven receivers in the league. Um, so, you know, Baltimore's new look offense could light them up, but I don't know that they show it. I'm, I'm a lot, uh, you know, more uh, strong playing the under on Houston's team total at 16 and a half. And I'm going to back Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins over 56 and a half rushing yards. I love this spot for the running back. Really thought he came on strong over the last four games last season. Had that devastating knee injury in the 2021 season. Had a tough time working his way back. Uh, but yeah, looked fully explosive. Looked very healthy over the final quarter of the season. Had a uh, rush for 99 yards per game, yards per carry of over seven yards. That was without Lamar Jackson as well on the field. John Harbaugh declared that Dobbins is 100% healthy coming into the season. I think that's reflected with the depth chart as well. Not a lot of competition for touches behind Dobbins, really just Gus Edwards and a bunch of guys. So I love this spot against a Texans defense that gave up the most rushing yards to opposing running backs last year. I think Dobbins is a lock to get 15 carries in this game, which will certainly be enough to eclipse 57 rushing yards. Uh, 59-10 is the game I always think about. It's against the Dolphins in that week one in 2019. Lamar's first like first season as a starter is just like oh god, like it's like a the gif of like he's like oh like stop it, stop. You know with the Simpsons one where they're pointing, they're like he's stop, stop, he's dead already. Um, and then they beat up on uh, Cleveland 38-6 the next season. Uh, it lost to the Raiders in 2021, but then um, last year 24-9 against the Jets. So it's just like. We just see, you know, John Harbaugh's an Andy Reid guy. I'm not saying that always. There's a lot of Andy Reid, you know, coaches out there. Just, just that prep for Week One always feels like Harbs is, uh, Harbs, Harbs is, is is well prepared coming in there. Uh, the Bengals, who you mentioned, RJ, are at the Browns in Week One. I mean, there's a there's a lot of AFC North head-to-head matchups in the early part yeah. of the season. Like that division's going to be 
shook up pretty early on. Uh, total 48. This is also on CBS Sports and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. It's a mountain of entertainment, if you didn't hear. <laughs> um, Katie, do you do you yeah. do you have a do you have a do you have a feel on this game at all? I know we sort of talked about actually wait, do you have a lock on this game? You like the Bengals? I like the Bengals. Well, first of all, we already know that Breach and I have a, a Super Bowl ticket on the Bengals. So that all starts mm. this weekend. And look, the Battle of Ohio hasn't exactly gone in uh, Cincy's favor. The Browns have won five of the last six head-to-head matchups. But when you look at the the offensive firepower on Cincinnati versus the Browns defense, it's a little bit banged up right now. I give Cincinnati a lot of this edge here. Joe Burrow coming back. He's healthy. They've got healthy people around him. You know, He said he's been bored for the last six weeks he's better to get out there of course they know you know he hasn't been able to to beat the browns or you know the only one time in the last six years um so and i also don't believe in deshaun watson all that much either he's going to be great or he's not going to be so great i do think it's going to take him a little bit of time to get up and swinging uh the fact that the Bengals are under a field goal i have no problem laying that two and a half yeah, I also lean that way. If Burrow's healthy, I think the line can be other side of three, and he's practicing in full, so it looks like he's healthy. And that's after I adjusted the power rating up to make Cleveland plus one, so I wasn't too harsh on them because I think I've been pretty down on, on Cleveland. And that's assuming Sean Watson can get back to being close to his old self, and he better be his old self because Lou Anarumo can shut him down, if not, um, with, with the defenses that he throws out there. Since he's offense predicated on the quick passing game, will neutralize some of the Cleveland defensive front, and they can pick on the cornerbacks, which I think are the weakness of the team. So I think it's hard for Cleveland to win with Chubb and their, their superior offensive line if, if Cincinnati's able to put up those points with that quick passing game. Um, so I think they'll put up 24-plus. I would lean towards Cincinnati. The only thing that worries me is that we know these divisional dogs in week one tend to play do pretty well, and this is especially on uh, you know on the road for Cincy. Although, you know, it's not like you have to travel a lot prior to week one, so everybody's going to be rested and fine here. Is there a, is there a trend there on the dog, on like especially division dogs in week one? Because the NFL, it maybe it's hard to say, because but the NFL shifted to have more divisional games they, they want to stack them at the end of the season, but they also had the, these matchups in week one that they, it seems like they want to have. Is it, is he my, am I remembering that incorrectly? Like there's, like you want to take the points generally, right? I can't quote the record, but I know it's a, it's dangerous taking a lot of favorites in week one because it's very heavily to the underdogs. Uh, Alex, any, any, any thoughts on that general trend for underdogs in week one? Yeah, I mean, I'm personally really interested to see this uh, Cleveland passing offense did not look good at all last year. Obviously, when uh, Watson took over, he was playing, I think, worse than uh, Jacoby Brissett was. So, yeah, I'm I'm taking a wait-and-see approach personally with this Cleveland team until I kind of see how this offense looks. I like what they did in the offseason quite a bit, like a lot of the pieces they added both offensively and defensively. But, yeah, kind of just take a uh, see if Deshaun kind of mimics the quarterback that we saw who was a perennial MVP candidate in Houston or if he looks like the guy that had that long layoff and just did not look good. Yeah, he was huge real bad last year. One thing uh, just worth noting, the Bengals um, just haven't blown anybody out in Joe Burrow's first. Yeah, they lost to the Chargers in week one. The uh, famous, oh, he missed uh, for, for podcast David Tate's. I don't even, actually, I'm so, I'm so uh, rusty on my, uh, on my, on my, on my drops yet. I'm not even sure which which button it is. I don't feel like <laughs> I don't feel like screwed it up. They snuck by the Vikings in OT in in 2021, and then uh, last year they lost in OT to the Steelers. So, and, and one of those things we saw all Burrow sort of coming in like either on a pandemic or coming off an injury, and so they did try to run the ball a little bit maybe more, and then and sort of like a, a, a less of a high flying offense early in the season. There's something to think about, um, you know, with with the history there with the history there with Burrow and the Bengals 
we got more games on the early slate to talk about. But first, Sunday, the NFL and CBS kicks off our Super Bowl season with a week one doubleheader, and we can't wait. The early games feature the Bengals taking on the Browns, and Jalen Hurts leads the defending NFC champion Eagles against the Patriots. It all begins at noon Eastern with the NFL today. All hail Sunday. The NFL is on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. We'll look at a few more of those games coming up next after the break. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, welcome back to the Pick Six Podcast. Uh, one more game looking at the 1 p.m. slate. Bucks at Vikings. Uh, Vikings laying six here, total 45 and a half. This is another game on CBS Sports and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. RJ, well, first of all, we've got no bets on this game. Um, so curious what you think, RJ. I'm sure you have a lean on this one. But look, I mean, the Buccaneers under, what, Baker Mayfield? Like, we don't really know what that team's going to look like. The Vikings could be the biggest frauds of last season. They did win a lot of single-score games, but they were only 7-10-1 against the spread last season. Would you give the Vikings six here? Yeah, it's actually coming down. It seems like this, the Sharps are betting Tampa Bay and bringing it down. It's five and a half at, at some places. It's even five at some places. Um, so I, I, that seems to be the way it's trending. My lean would be toward the, toward the Vikings anyway. Thing is, I know it's hard to trust them after seeing that defense stumble last year, but Brian Flores matters. I've been a big proponent on this podcast over the years of coaching matters and coaching changes matter. And um, and I think that having him in there coordinating the defense is going to make them a lot less, you know, let people score in the second half and, and come back and put these these two score games into one score game. So I think the strong Minnesota front's going to attack the weak Tampa Bay offensive line pressure breaker Mayfield. He doesn't do well under pressure. The run offense for Tampa isn't that much to 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 write home about. So you don't have Tom Brady to cover up the holes there. Um, I think Minnesota's pass offense is good enough to beat the Tampa Bay defensive backs. Offensive line has the edge on Tampa Bay's defensive line too. So I think everything kind of points to Minnesota here, but the market disagrees. I wouldn't play the Bucks. I think if you're going to play them, play them in the first half plus three and a half because um, Minnesota did not play Kirk Cousins at all in the preseason. We've seen with quarterbacks in the past, they come out a little rusty when they don't play in the preseason. Um, so if you're going to attack it, I would attack Buccaneers first half um, or play the Minnesota once the line settles at five, five and a half. I go get five right now if you want to do that. Any thoughts here, Alex? Yeah, I've got my eye on uh, second-year running back Rashad White of uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. The running off rush offense was absolutely pitiful last year. Average 75 rushing yards per game. That was significantly lower than, I think, 20 yards lower than the team with the second worst rushing offense so uh pretty much only way you can go up is up uh, when you're that bad i think rashad white is going to be the featured back his rushing line is out at 44 and a half uh rushing yards i think that is too low i think he's going to get 12 to 15 attempts against this vikings defense which i think has a lot of holes so that's kind of one area that i'm looking towards i think rashad white could be in line for at least 50 rushing yards yeah i mean look todd ball is going to be conservative man I mean, he was conservative when he had Tom Brady. Now he's got Baker Mayfield. Like I, it, he, I don't. He's not going to come out there and try and win with like a high flying offense. I think the uh, the Bucks maybe 
Kind of stinky this year. I mean, this is talk about two teams and like everybody, everybody is dying to fade. Um, maybe, maybe the most fadeable team this all season, except for the Arizona Cardinals. Oh boy. Cardinals at the Commanders. Commanders now all the way up to seven point favorites here. 38 and a half, a real robust total. <laughs> I'm always glad when there's not like Katie, when there's not a game that's um like when, when there's when there's a game that like stinks that isn't on CBS, yeah. so yeah. we don't have to like add, like you like you yeah. don't be like I mean this is just a great game on CBS. You're like lying through your teeth about like a, about this particular game. Yeah, well, and this is interesting because the total is so low at 38 and a half. Yet you've got a touchdown favorite in the Commanders, so not a lot to say about either of these offenses, but really saying a lot about how poor this Arizona offense is going to be. And look, Brinson, we've been talking about it all off season long. I mean, I think. I put a bet in, not I think, I put a bet in um, that they're going to be the lowest scoring team in the NFL. And so that's going to happen and start this weekend. Who is their quarterback right now? Joshua Dobbs. They got rid of Colt McCoy. Kyler Murray, of course, still injured, not going to be ready. I don't I don't know how they're going to score any points. Or you got the commanders at home under new ownership. The vibes are high. Um, and you know that the Washington Commander um, fans are going to be out there really loud, really, really proud. So I do feel like this is one that I would actually lay the seven. Yeah, I, I went. Um, I've got two. I got two uh, best bets on this. I'm going Commanders wow. first half. I think you can get it. Um, it should be three and a half, right? So I, yeah, I mean, roughly three and a half. It should be well, a first half, half first, seven, yeah. First of all, yeah, that's, that's how that works, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, and then you, and then you have the the Commanders minus seven. I think I agree with the vibes are high. Washington like is a better team than people think. And the Cardinals are potentially fooling some folks, Alex, uh, based on um, what they did in the preseason with some aggressive blitzing, uh, you know, try hard stuff. Jonathan Gannon, man, I don't know. I'm not not feeling the vibes there. So I'll take Washington first half and uh, straight up um, in terms of, oh, excuse me, against a full game against the spread and first half. I, I like them both, Brinson. You mentioned Matt Stafford being your dark horse for MVP, potentially. This guy is my dark horse for MVP, Sam Howell. I am all aboard the hype train here. The commander's quarterback, unbelievably impressive, in my opinion, during the preseason. Now gets an absolute phenomenal matchup. Gets an Arizona team, gave up the eighth most passing yards last season in the NFL. Teams had a 4% pass rate over expected against the Cardinals. They were the second biggest pass funnel in the league last year. Terry McLaurin practicing this week. Very good indication that he is set to play as well. Jahan Dotson, I'm expecting a big breakout from as well. I think these weapons, these receivers are certainly elite for how I think he's going to carve this Arizona pass defense up. I expected this line to actually open at 230, 235 yards. So pretty significant edge considering it's at 208. I think it's even 206 on some uh, books. So absolutely love Sam Howell as prospects week one to have a big game going going way, way, way over 208 and a half passing yards. Breach is a big Sam Howell guy, huh? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they, gonna wear, like, I'm going to wear a Sam Howell jersey. We're like, what the hell are you talking about, Breach? Yeah. Uh, RJ, any, any thoughts on this game? Well, I bet Howell to win MVP 201, so I like that take. You did? Wow. Um, yeah. What? Yeah, I mean, not, not a lot, but, you know, it's it's yeah. Jalen Hurts is my main main um, bet. Wait, are, are you, bet, bet both, of, both of you guys are back into Sam Howell for MVP ticket? 
Look, I, I mean, I'm more optimistic in the offense with him. I don't think that he's great, but he's a starting quarterback at 201. He was behind guys like, you know, Justin Jefferson and Christian McCaffrey and, and, and you know, might be some tight ends in there. I don't know. It's just 201. Like, you got to play the a starting quarterback who actually looks halfway decent in the preseason at that point. Um, I, I'll play doubles advocate here. I'm not playing Arizona plus seven. I just simply can't back Washington to seven-point favorites against anyone until I see it in the in the, the regular season. You know, for, you know, we know in the preseason they face vanilla defenses, and it's not what they're going to see in the regular season so we'll see if this offense can operate i mean jonathan gannon leading the charge on defense known for defense coming from philly if you're going to knock philly for losing its coordinators you got to think that the cardinals defense probably has a chance to be solid with him um and josh dobbs if he's starting which it looks like he is he showed with tennessee he can go compete and try to win the games they took him off the street and with little, little preparation he was out there competing for tennessee so um with the one play i would make here is with mclaurin banged up you can get Jahan dotson anytime touchdown at plus 175 Ooh. he he is a touchdown score. He scored 20% of his catches last year. Um, and I think they're going to, they're going to have a lot of chemistry with him quickly. So at plus plus one seventy five, that number is way too high to me. I think that's the the way to play this game and just root for that touchdown. All right. Uh, good news for all of us. The sports line model is also in the chat and they love Washington minus seven as well. They actually have them projected to win by 10. We'll get their best bet coming up here uh, soon, but it always makes me feel better when the sports line model is on my side. Uh, moving on to the next game, Titans at Saints. It is Derek Carr's first game as a Saint making his debut and a Titans team that now features DeAndre Hopkins. Saints laying three, total 41 and a half. Has that changed? Oh, now it's Saints laying five. Is that what that says? Or three? No, Saints, Saints minus three, yeah. Minus three. I can't. It's really small on my screen. Minus, um, minus three uh, with catching juice there. Uh, so in some spots, so you can see it maybe drift. The, ju- the juice, sometimes the juice, it feels like it's all over the place these days with the. It's a weird phrase to say, but it's just like like sometimes you see like 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 somebody minus three minus one twelve or like you know it's it, it's like like I like I see a like a depending on what screen you're looking at Jaguars minus four and a half minus one fourteen right or Jaguars minus five it's just because of the very the very places where the sports books exist and all the sports books it's like the, these lines are just wild how, how the disparity they have. Well, you got to we got to play on this. Oh yeah, that's right. I got the Titans. Um, this is a, a coaching play. Everybody's like, oh, Derek Carr, Dennis Allen, reunited. <laughs> well, they went 0-4 together. <laughs> they never won a game. Like, Dennis Allen got fired like in Derek Carr's rookie year, I think. I thought I thought they were like – I mean, maybe they, I, I swear I thought they were like 4 and like – or like 8 and 28 together. But, I, but whatever the case being, they didn't win a lot of games if they won any when they were together in Oakland or Las Vegas. And so it's like – the idea that that's just going to be this magical combination of elixir that, that, that's going to work and take the Saints over the top is a little weird to me. And I think the coaching mismatch here is pretty hard, uh, pretty heavy. Excuse me. Um, Mike Vrabel, one of, maybe the most underrated coach in the NFL. I believe he is uh, nine and or no, seven and two straight up as a, as an underdog over the last like four years in the first four weeks of the season. Um, it just wins games as an underdog catching three points here. The Titans are as healthy as they're going to be all year. Like, like most teams, um, the saints, look, the saints have a pretty good roster. I just don't trust that coaching staff. I trust Mike Vrabel. I think Titans getting three on the road here. Maybe I think, I think uh, as a whole, like the, everybody's been too down on Tennessee this off season and maybe a little too high on new Orleans uh, relative to what they could end up being. RJ, I'm curious where, uh, or actually, uh, Alex, you got you have a best bet on this as well, don't you? 
I do. I've managed to mention this guy, I believe, on every single appearance that I've made <laughs> on the pick six. So I couldn't pass up that opportunity. Once again, guys, it's Chris Olave. Yeah. I'm just so big on him. We're going over 66 and a half receiving yards. That's a big number, admittedly, but this guy is coming off of a historically good rookie season. The efficiency metrics were just absolutely off the charts. Fifth in yards per route run. You just don't see that as a rookie. Now facing a Titans defense that was a huge pass funnel. Gave up the third most uh, yards to opposing wide receivers last year behind only the Lions and the Vikings who were both historically bad secondary so I still have a lot of question marks regarding this uh, Tennessee defense they also have a very stout run defense so I really think we're going to see the Saints attack them down the field and through the air not many teams had success running against Tennessee last year so I think Olave is going to show out Week one, I think he's in line for just a monster year. I'm willing to play him up to about 72 and a half yards in this particular prop. So love his chances to explode with a big week one performance. By, by, by the way, and I, I'm curious what RJ's, the, where the disparity of your power ranks have those two teams. But I, I was sitting there with, um, for, uh, I had the, like the 12th pick in my main fantasy draft. Team, my team's name is Snack Brown, in case you're curious. Ah. Shout out to Mac Brown. Uh, but I took Mark Andrews at the end of round three. And then I was staring like this group of receivers. And all I could think about was like how much like we talked about Chris Olave on this podcast. And I was like, I can't not have some Olave. So I drafted Olave with the first pick of the fourth round over like Higgins, Debo, Calvin Ridley. Uh, that you know that sort of group of receivers. So so let's no brainer, Brinson. That's a no brainer yeah. at that point. I think it's a great value at the top of the fourth round as okay. well. Yeah, I you talk about my power ratings. I was a little conservative. I think the Titans are better than people expect, but I still have them one point behind the Saints. I think a lot of the Saints' positivity on their win total is baked into their schedule being ridiculously easy. So just because they're a nine and a half win total team does not mean they're that they're that strong of a nine and a half win total team as some other nine and a half teams. You know, like I think everybody loves the Jaguars. I'm not as high on the Jaguars either, but they're a nine and a half team also. Um, two, two completely different teams there. Um, but you're right on the Mike Vrabel. Um, I think 24, 17 and one ATS as an underdog. Um, um, Tennessee's weak on the offensive line, but the New Orleans defensive line was awful last year. And they they brought in some guys, especially in the middle, to help that out. I don't think that that gets fixed. In week one, Derrick Henry can still be the focal point of this offense in this matchup. The Tennessee defense was bad last year. They were extremely injured. I think they might have been the most injured defense in the league. Uh, their talent's going to surprise people, especially getting hold back in the secondary and adding Sean Murphy bunting. It's a big addition to the secundary. If anybody's going to slow down, um, you know, Chris Olave, it's it's that guy that's seen him a little bit, you know, in, 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 in Tampa Bay. So, um, I, I like Tennessee. I got him at three and a half for Sportsline members a little while ago before the line moved. Um, at three, I think you might as well go out, find a money line, play him plus 140, plus 145, because we know how good Mike Vrabel is against uh, as an underdog, even winning these games outright. Yeah. I love that. All right. Uh, moving on. I think this is our first game in the afternoon slate. The Rams at the Seahawks heading to the NFC West there. The Seahawks are laying five and a half. Um, and we've already brought a little attention to this. But our friends at the Sportsline Model are in the chat. If you happen to be watching on YouTube, they've given a couple free plays. But the model actually loves Seattle minus five and a half. They actually loved it even before Cooper Cup um, was expected not to play. They have a score projection of 26 and 18. You can check out the Sportsline Model show every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern over on the Sportsline YouTube channel. And I have to say that I agree with the Sportsline model once again. Uh, Seattle's going to be good this year. And I'm sorry, Brinson, but the Rams just are not going to be very good this year, especially with Cooper 
Cup out. You know, Stafford is losing his number one target. One of the best bets in football last year was Cooper Cup anytime touchdown. People can't mm. bet that today, which is quite uh, a tragedy for the weekend. Uh, look, we've talked about the Seahawks a lot. I think they drafted really well uh, this year. You know, Devin Witherspoon, they got Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, and Bobby Wagner is back on the right side uh, with his old team. And so I just, I don't see what kind of offensive um, firepower the Rams are going to be able to put up. And we know that Geno Smith, especially in the first half of the season, uh, is going to be dealing. So give me the Seahawks minus the five and a half. RJ, you also agree with the Sportsline model. Yeah, shock this got down to four where we locked it in on Sportsline. Um, Seattle so much better than the Rams. That was even before the cup injury. Rams had one good playmaker. Now he's probably he's out, it looks like. Um, so Rams offensive line is a mess. Defense is unimpressive aside from Aaron Donald. So I don't know what they're going to do well in this game aside from having the whiz kid, Sean McVay, calling the plays there. And maybe that makes all the difference. So we'll see if he gets aggressive with Stafford and starts hitting some big plays to 2-2 out well. And Van Jefferson, <laughs> maybe it works in the second half and it closes this gap. But I still like Seattle minus five and a half. They're just too good of a team and you're right this is the first game we're going over the afternoon slate well, there's one game that was so awful you decided to skip it um but I, do have the best, <laughs> I, I have the best I, I bet was, in that game so we'll have to rewind and get that yeah yeah, yeah i was um i, I was gonna, i was gonna tell katie i'll go back to get jack well and that's probably on me because i did reference the jags colt spread at one point <laughs> while talking about the other game because I, I was just using it as an example of the weird juice thing and i think that uh, that so that's i'll take i'll take that l um I probably also, just, yeah, I probably just skipped it because, you know, you might be the only person into this game, for instance. That's right. Yeah, I, possibly. Um, I, I will take Rams plus five and a half, though, as well. Um, oh, yeah, as a best bet. So I'm going to face seven and five against Pete Carroll um, in, since, since coming into the NFC West. And it's like there, sometimes there's, there's just these weird, like, sort of, like these guys in the NFC West just kind of own each other. You know, it's like, it's like, and, and, and seven to five is not owning, but um, only one time in the, one of those five losses has he lost by more than uh, five points. So you just have the ability to keep this, the ability to keep things close by, um, by Sean McVay in the spot. I know that look, the, the Cooper cup injury sucks. Uh, that's a, that's a big, big, yeah. big blow. He's out. He's out for this game. Um, definitely made me think about changing my mind on this one. Um, but yeah, I mean, but like, Aaron Donald is a freaking animal. Cam Akers looks like he's ready to roll. Like Aaron Donald can could be like could could take over this game defensively. I think like I think that is entirely possible. Um, I think that we've got a, a, a team in the Seahawks that John Snyder, Pete Carroll have done a great great job setting up this roster and building this roster through the draft in the last couple of years. And um, I think Seattle's gonna be good this year. We, we agreed. I think they're a playoff team, but sometimes in week one, you just have some weird outcomes. And I just kind of, this has got a little spidey sense for me that the Rams find a way in this one. I don't know, but uh, right. I, me, RJ and the sports line model say differently on, on that one. Brinson, yeah, this, but- this may be, and, and so yes, as is, as is Alex, this may simply be me like holding on, holding on loosely, hold on loosely. <laughs> don't let go to uh, you know, this, this <laughs> idea that the Rams are going yeah. to be good. I, I will not let go. However, the fact that the Jaguars mm. are going to be good. I think, I think, it's pretty obvious that they're going to be a team that is um, in contention for the top seed in the AFC. I mean, but lots of people have said that and like, it's just a question of, will they start out as hot as we expect them to finish or will they sort of start slow? Like they did last year, they're three and seven at one point. Um, Jaguars minus four and a half at the Colts total 45 and a half. You got a prop bet in this one. Don't you uh, Alex? 
I've got two actually, Will. So yeah, first up, I'm going to fade Michael Pittman Jr. under 53 and a half receiving yards. Anthony Richardson at quarterback for the Colts, an elite athlete, a very, very raw power uh, passer. He's got a cannon for an arm, but I think he's going to really struggle in the short and intermediate areas of the football field. That is where Michael Pittman Jr. runs all of his routes, he has one of the most shallow A dots, average depth of target of any starting receiver in the NFL. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a work in progress with these two kind of getting on the same page, especially early in the season. I just don't think that Michael Pittman Jr. is really the optimal fit for a quarterback with Richardson's skill set. So I think fading him under 53 and a half uh, receiving yards is a really good look. And then I'm also going to fade the tight end of Jacksonville. Evan Ingram under 39 and a half receiving yards. Had the career year last year. Stayed healthy for the whole season. Uh, really was a reliable target for Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville. But now Calvin Ridley is on this football team. It's going to be a lot harder uh, to sustain or replicate the 100 targets that Evan Ingram got last year. I think this number is in inflated because he kind of was the second option uh, for Trevor Lawrence for the majority of the year. I think those targets are going to be a lot harder to come by now that there's an alpha wide receiver one playing in Jacksonville, still have Christian Kirk, still have Zay Jones. So yeah, I think 40 yards is a bit too high for Evan Ingram in this offense. So like these fades both a lot, both quite a bit. Yeah, my play here is the Indianapolis Colts team total under 20 and a half. 20 and a half is a big number for, yeah. for week one. We've seen some of these other numbers of 16 and a half, 19 and a half. And so we're expecting this offense with a quarterback that I think a lot of people don't believe in, especially being good early. It might take a little time to shape him in this offense without his best playmaker in Jonathan Taylor with this these receiver core that might not fit his strengths, as Alex was talking about. To go out and score 21 points against a team that somehow Brinson is saying is could be the number one seed here, even though they were four and eight heading into to the stretch last year, won five straight games, barely got into the playoffs, I think is kind of overrated in a lot of people's minds. The Indianapolis defense, speaking of literally in the season, they played well until December. They could have success here, I think, especially with this Jacksonville offensive line in a bad state um, with Gus Bradley's aggression that should benefit that attacking this Jacksonville offensive line. So I'm not ruling the Colts out of covering this game, um, but they're not likely to score much because Jonathan Taylor's not there. I'd much rather play the under on 20 and a half there instead of the under 45 and a half on on the full game, just in case the Jaguars do come out guns blazing like Brinson thinks. RJ, the chat would like to know if you specifically have a code for Sportsline, which you guys can use pick for $1, but do you have a code? Just pick RJ, 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 RJ didn't get anything by using promo code white. Like, I guess you get a, I mean, like. The, the chat would like to know. The chat has been asking. Use um, promo it's, code pick. It's Sign super- for Sportsline, get your first month for a buck. It's superstition. They, they want to use my promo code because I'm sure they, they're tailing my pick. So if you want to yeah. use my promo code, use promo code white. It's the same deal. First month for a dollar. You can use pick also. Um, but but yeah, it's W-H-I-T-E. Okay. See, he does have one, Brinson. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, we come back. We're going to take a look at the rest of the afternoon slate plus Sunday night football, like the Bears and the Packers. It's basically a pick em. You got the Bears minus one and a half. No Aaron Rodgers to terrorize them. We'll have those picks coming up after the break. Here we go. This is all we've all been waiting for. Time for some football, baby! Rowing ahead for the touchdown. Oh my gosh, here he goes! We can't wait for Sunday afternoons. All right, so, Eagles at Patriots. 
Man, that's the that's the Jim Nance Tony Romo game. That's the big boy in the yeah. afternoon spot. CBS, of course, on CBS Sports and streaming on Paramount Plus, a mountain of entertainment. The Eagles laying four on the road against the Patriots, defending NFC champions, head to Foxborough to, to, to go up against Bill Belichick and his one quarterback, Max Jones, uh, in, in this spot. Look, RJ. I, I don't know, man. It's one of those week one games where I got a spidey sense thing going on, but at the same time, it would be real easy um, to uh, to to look at this and think the Eagles could roll here. Yeah, but if Bill Belichick wasn't the coach, they signed him be seven. I think it's just he deserves respect because he's Bill Belichick. But Patriots team is not that good. Um, their offensive line uh, already dealing with injuries. Philadelphia, we know what their defensive line can do. It could dominate that um, that matchup there. And Philadelphia's offense, you know, geared by a mobile quarterback. New England's defense had a good year last year, but the mobile quarterbacks gave him trouble. Not just Lamar Jackson, but remember that Justin Fields game, 33-14. Chicago did absolutely everything they wanted to against New England in the game. Surprised a lot of people. I think it was a primetime game, if I remember right. Um, so Philly can come up, use Hurts' mobility, even though he hasn't thrown a lot. I don't think he played at all in the preseason, so he could be a little rusty too. But that offense can go out and score against anyone, including this New England defense. Mac Jones under pressure shouldn't be expected to score a lot of points. I think Eagles win this one running away. They're the best team in the league. They're, I think, more of our writers in that that um, that Super Bowl predictions post that went out where you took the Bills, took the Eagles more than anything. And so yep. everybody kind of agrees that they are the best team or one of the best teams. And uh, even on the road against the Patriots team that probably isn't making the playoffs, I think this line should be higher. So I got Eagles minus four as the best bet. Yeah, I, I don't hate it. Look, as much as I would like the Eagles to lose this game, I definitely don't think that they are. That four points, I agree with you. But also, Jalen Hurts for an anytime touchdown. I mean, on Caesars, today was plus 115. I'm not sure what it is. I think we're looking at DraftKings uh, right here. It should be like minus 120. I mean, he had 13 rushing touchdowns last year. If there's anything we know about this game when the Eagles scores, that Jalen Hurts is getting into the end zone. Um, so I took him for an anytime touchdown at plus 115. Yeah, I mean, I. I don't really have a great explanation for why I think the Patriots are going to win this football game. I think they might cover, but I don't know if that's just my bias. I just think like, and I know that Bel- I, like Belichick riding, riding and dying with Belichick has not been very profitable the last couple of years. You know what I mean? Like, granted the first 20 were pretty good. <laughs> but, like the last, last two have been kind of tough. Um, I, I do think though that this defense for the Pats looks like it might have some serious juice this year. And you know, we got a new offensive, you know, you lose your offensive coordinator in Philly. And now Nick Sirianni, you got enough consistency there. But you have a, an offense for the Patriots that was dead last in terms of red zone efficiency and dead last, or red zone scoring, excuse me, dead last, you know, it was bottom five at least in third down conversions last year. And that's, you take away Matt Patricia and put in Bill O'Brien, even if you don't like Bill O'Brien, like this Patriots offense has to be a little bit better. And I think we'll see. I, I just think, I think that the Patriots will keep this close. Well, let's and, not forget Tom Brady is being honored. You know, so you got Tom yeah, Brady back this be in Tom there. Brady hype. It, Tom Brady had Tom Brady lost in the Super Bowl to the Eagles. He's going to want to get him hyped up for that. Well, and this is basically like Belichick's Super Bowl of the year. We know he's not going necessarily very, very far, if at all, into the postseason. But this is one where he's going to want to put his best defensive foot forward. I don't know what they can do on offense. I would agree with that. 
I think this offense is going to be just have a really hard time scoring points. They were the slowest offense in the NFL last year. Somehow they managed to get even slower in the offseason, adding Juju Smith-Schuster, adding Ezekiel Elliott. I think Ramondre Stevenson, of all the starters, has the fastest 40 time, and it's like 4-7-something. Uh, <laughs> I think this is just a massive mismatch on paper. I think the Eagles' defense is going to dominate the Patriots' offense. Uh, I just think this Patriots' offense is going to struggle all year. Uh, this Eagles defense allowed the fewest passing yards in the NFL last year, which was very impressive considering how many big leads they built up and teams were having to throw the ball to play catch against them. And despite that, they still uh, did just excellent job limiting and opposing passing attacks. I think we'll see Mac Jones really struggle in this matchup. I like fading him. That lined open 231 and a half has since been bet down to 222. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up settling at like 215. Still think there's some value fading Mac Jones this week. There's probably always value uh, fading Mac Jones. Uh, all right, next game, Raiders at Broncos. You got Jimmy G versus Russell Wilson, two quarterbacks that know each other very well, but in different systems. Broncos laying four, uh, total 44. This one also on CBS Sports and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Did the line change at all here? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's down to Broncos minus three and a half in some spots, depending on where yeah, you're Some places at four, some at three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. RJ, this one, you know, Russell Wilson didn't look that great um, last year. Obviously now Sean Payton, he should be a lot better. Jimmy Garoppolo, we know he has a winning pedigree. Haven't really seen what he's been able to do with the Raiders. Didn't really play much um, or at all in preseason. What do you think about this game? Yeah, you know who believes in Russell Wilson is Sean Payton. He wouldn't have come back if he didn't think that Russ was salvageable. And I'll trust the Hall, future Hall of Fame coach over you know my evaluations any day. Um, Vegas invested in pass catchers in in the uh, the off season, um, but Denver's secondary is elite. And if you roll in there with some good pass catchers, I think they can shut you down in that sense too. This line has come down over from over the summer because Jerry Judy's hurt. Josh Jacobs is back. I think it's good value on Denver if, if you're getting the three and a half because it's not going to get to three. Um, you know, they they do great at home uh, in week one and week two on money line. So if you want to wait and play the second half, because I think the Raiders are going to get worn out in the first half um, playing at altitude. It's brutal if you're not, you know, your conditioning is not that good. Um, but I don't know that Jimmy G is a great fit for what Josh McDaniels wants to do. I know he signed, he, he's there and, you know, you would think that Josh McDaniels would sculpt yeah. an offense around him. Um, but I don't know if that's necessarily the case. We'll see if it works. I think this is a game where Denver's run game, uh, Sean Payton leans on the run game, but they do have good depth at receiver and tight end, even without Judy. You know, they'll play those two tight end looks with Troutman and, and Dulcich. And um, and they have some solid young receivers there too. So I think they can get it done. They can score some points here. They could win by at least four. So I would play Denver minus three and a half if you could find that in the market. Um, also uh, worth noting the, um, and I haven't read this entire Story, so I don't want to go too deep into it, but Chandler Jones said on um, on Instagram on Wednesday, late Wednesday night, that the Raiders sent a member of a crisis response team to his house, but then when later deleted it. And it's like, man, it just and, and I only and I, I don't again like um, you, you can read about the story on 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 the on the internet, but um, it just feels like there's a whole lot just a bad juju around the the Raiders just in terms of this offseason how they played and and we've seen the hype for the Broncos going into Mile High never easy uh, in in Week One at the start of the season just hard to get conditioning done for that and, and so I like I like Denver here um, just I lean towards it don't really have a no best bet on it but I, I would look at the Broncos here and for the next game Packers or Bears. Bears minus one and a half. The Chicago yeah. Bears, the hype, the hypiest of the hype train. 
I'm playing I, I like them. Yeah, you do like the you do like the Bears. The but Bears, I still, the Bears I just want to like, play in this game. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, no bets. No, no best bets on that Raiders Broncos game. No best bets on this game either. This line is now down to one in some spots. Uh, RJ, I'm curious, or yeah, RJ, I'm curious what you think. Um, if there's a discrepancy in your power ratings with these two teams, because I mean the Bears people just people just want to be on the Bears. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not referencing you specifically, Katie. There's a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm all, I like the I like the Packers too. But yes, I do want to be on. Yeah. The, I I do like the Bears. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Bears love to get their power rating up in the market a lot higher than it should be for a team that was the worst in the league last year, had the worst record last year. Um, so have they fixed everything? Probably not. Uh, is the coaching staff going to help them take a step forward? Maybe. But well, I think it's something you have to see. Um, Green Bay has their own question marks with Jordan Love. The the I, I locked this in at plus two and a half on Sportsline before the move, so we got a good number there. Now I'm a little bit worried with Christian Watson banged up. Who knows if he yeah. plays in this game? Romeo Dobbs, I think he might have returned to practice, but who knows how the, his state is. But I don't know that Jordan Love really needs those guys. I think he can lean on the run game for a lot in this matchup. Throw it to Jaden Reed. Throw it to Luke Musgrave, the, the talented rookies they have there with the receivers banged up and get it done with mostly the run game um, leading the charge against a defense that I don't think is very good. The Bears, they spent they spent a lot in the offseason. They used a lot of their ample cap space on yeah. linebacker and guard, two positions that aren't that key to building winners and the teams really don't build around. That's, there's a reason that the Bills let a guy like Tremaine Edmonds go. They don't want to pay him top dollar because they figure they can go. And we've seen it with the Eagles. They never prioritize linebacker. They let guys go over and over again. Um, and that's just kind of smart team building with a lot of these these teams, these organizations. The Bears went out and spent on those guys. Maybe it works, but maybe there's too many holes up front and in the back of the defense that other teams can take advantage of. I think Green Bay's the best. The defense is the best unit in this game. They just need to limit Justin Fields' rush total, and, and I think they'll get out with a win here. My power ratings would make it Green Bay minus one with the line down to the other side plus one in some places not that much disparity there i don't think it's really actionable at this point all right moving on to the next game uh dolphins at chargers this is a very high total it's up to 51 chargers laying three at home uh two quarterbacks that uh can really sling the ball here and both of them looking to overcome some challenges um from last season obviously the chargers with that epic collapse um in the playoffs to the jags and then the dolphins a lot of chatter in this off season about tua and his health you got ryan clark saying that he looks like a stripper or his body looks like a stripper, whatever that was. Um, so this is going to be my dog of the weekend. I am taking Miami, the Finns, to win outright, even though I love Justin Herbert and the Chargers, especially now that they are healthy. I like that they have Kellen Moore. I think that the yeah, the Dallas uh, Cowboys just scope-gated uh, the F out of him, and I think he's going to be really, really good for Justin Herberts. But the Chargers have just found so many ways to lose in so many different ways that until they prove otherwise, I'm really hesitant to back them. I do think that Tua is extra motivated. He's got that tribal tattoo that he's uh, rocking now. No Jalen Ramsey, of course, um, is a little bit worrisome for the secondary, especially with a pass-happy team like LA. However, I'm really high on Vic Fangio as the defensive coordinator. I think that mm-hmm. he will team up some ways to stop Herbert and get the upset here. Uh, so I'm on, I'm on the fins for this one. And they're plus 140, I believe. So that's my dog of the weekend. And then, um, RJ, we're on the same prop bet here for Mozzarati. 
Yeah, we put this in on Sportsline. Raheem Mostert over 52 and a half rushing yards on Sportsline. And then I had sent it in for the show when it was 54 and a half. So I said, okay, we'll take it over 54 and a half on the show. I think it's up to like 58 and a half now. It just keeps on wow. going up. Wow. Because we're looking at a situation where the Chargers are an awful rush defense and they continue to be an awful, awful rush defense for it's like years. Brandon Steele's hallmark is they just can't stop the run. I mean, we talk about it every year and they just can't stop the run. Now, the Miami's going to have to choose to run the ball. They're not really a run based offense. You know, they, they like to throw it to their their stud receivers. Jalen Waddell is dealing with an injury, but he's practicing. Looks like he'll be fine. Um, the key to this one is Teron Armstead still sidelined. If he doesn't play, two is going to have to get the ball out quicker. They're going to expose him to, to some some hits. And I think the way you counter that is to run the ball a lot. And so I think that's going to be the plan. We're going to see a lot more running than we normally would from a Miami team. And that's why I like Mostert going over his rush total. Um, I do believe in Fangio too. I think he can turn around this defense, but I think that they could struggle against good receiver cores without Jalen Ramsey because they just don't have the talent to to match up with a lot of good receivers and the chargers probably have one of the deepest receiver rooms in the league was already pretty good when everybody's healthy before they drafted quentin johnston now it goes four deep with josh palmer being probably a better number three than a lot of teams have um so i i I, that's the only reason i don't want didn't want to go with miami is the armstead injury and then i just think that's a bad matchup for them defensively um but i do like playing the most or playing just thinking miami's going to run a lot more than we expect well, McDaniels also apologized to his running back room. Uh, so I do think he's going to use it. And you got to think, too, Tua kind of coming back off of injury, may, maybe want to take a little bit of pressure off him, too, by running the ball. So, yeah, I love the the Mozart play. I dig it. Sunday Night Football. Cowboys at the Giants. Cowboys minus three and a half. Giants get a little bit of juice there at 115 with a three and a half. Uh, the Giants really, I mean, like, I feel like after so, what a great season that they had last year, winter was like six and a half. I mean, people are really down on the Giants this year. I mean, tough division, of course. Uh, it starts in week one. I, I don't know, man. 46 and a half here. Um, I, I, Katie, I, I look at this and I think like dog all day. Dog all day. First of all, Brian Dable is an actual dog, and they were great um, against the spread as underdogs last year. Now, I know that the Cowboys are projected to be very, very good. A lot of people have them actually winning the NFC East this year. Sorry, Eagles fans. I'm not necessarily on that train, but um, I I like I like the dogs at home, and I think that they are going to be barking. So I like this three and a half. Uh, RJ, what do you think? Yeah, we talked about how good home divisional dogs are. I did look up the number seven and zero against the spread the last five years, I believe it is. Um, so this is a good spot for a thing like a team like this. Now I went against that with some other picks, but um, here I really like the Giants. Here, people look at them and they say they overperformed last year. They did not deserve the wins. They did not deserve the playoff spot, and that's why their win total is seven and a half. Um, and people are are really fading them this year. Well, these teams don't stay still. You know, they they're not resting on the team that they were um, last year. They go out, they get more different different personnel that fits the coaching staff better in year two they can build the team in their image the more they want to be in year two and i think it's going to make a big big impact especially on the defensive side of the ball um where they could take advantage of the Dallas offensive line which is not what it used to be going into the season it used to be like you just lock them in as the, the best offensive line in the league for years and years they're not that that unit anymore and now tyler smith is hurt uh, he's on the injury report might miss this game that's a big loss for them um so i think that they can get some pressure inside and deal with that Dallas pass rush is elite, but Dayball can help scheme to neutralize, get Dan Jones out of the move, help score some points there. Um, and if Dallas is playing as running defense, it's going to be hard to win big against solid teams. I like catching the three and a half here to go with a Giants team that is much improved and with a great coaching staff that can um, that that is going to help uh, stave off some of this regression a lot of people are saying. Now, I'm not saying the Giants are going to go out and win 12 games or anything. I just don't think they're as bad as people expect. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Couldn't agree more. Uh, all right, so we have a game tonight, guys. Obviously, Chiefs versus uh, the Detroit Lions. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but we definitely should hit on it. The line has been on the move uh, with Travis Kelsey. He is, I don't know if he's doubtful or how they have him he's listed tonight. Questionable. questionable. Yeah, it's, it depends on what you read. Some people say, oh, you know, like his brother says, he should probably be out. It's just, a, you know, once the swelling goes down. So, or Clark so, Hunt, the owner was on Good Morning Football today too and said that he thinks he thinks he's he, he's not pretty optimistic about it. So Not pretty or pretty optimistic? He said a pretty optimistic about Kelsey playing. Okay, so if, if he's pretty optimistic about Kelsey playing and the line is, what, four and a half now, I would hammer the Chiefs minus four and a half all day long. Now, I was worried when this line was at six about Detroit coming with a little backdoor cover because Jared Goff is actually the most profitable quarterback against the spread in week one. He is six and oh, and we do know that this, you know, they know how to put up some points. But then I think about it, and it's like we thought that the Chiefs were going to take a step back last year without Tyreek Hill, and they actually took a step forward. So the entire offense is not built off of Travis Kelsey. This this line swing to me feels like a little uh, – a bit of an overreaction. What do you think, RJ? Yeah, you never see non-quarterbacks yeah. you know, cost two points on yeah. the line like, like this happens. So I think it is too much. I understand how important he is to that offense. They have some good young talent at receiver they can lean on. They have some running backs they can lean on, especially a good pass catcher in Jarek McKinnon. They, there are ways that they can scheme around this if they have a good offensive coordinator and a good quarterback. And, you know, newsflash here, they have one of the best coaches ever offensively, and they have one of the best quarterbacks probably ever offensively when all is said and done. So they'll be able to get it done. I do like KC minus four and a half still. Week one with Andy Reid and Mahomes, 38 points, 40 points, 34 points, 33 points, 44 points. They score 30 plus all the time. They, they'll be able to score their points here. And Detroit was 28th in points per game allowed last year, and I don't see that defense making a huge leap despite the personnel that they brought in. Um, so I think that they're going to go over. I, I like Pacheco going over 51 and a half rush yards. Mm-hmm. I think that's worth the look with this if Kelsey does miss the game. And with Chris Jones out, I think the best play prop-wise for this game is David Montgomery anytime touchdown plus 115. Um, seems like a lock that he's going to go in, get something in the interior, get some space, and get in from you know three, four, or five yards out. I, I'm on the Chiefs as well. Uh, Chiefs minus four and a half. I put that up on Sportsline. You can check out my uh, my profile over there. Uh, use promo code PICK for uh, for first month for a dollar. You can also promo promo code White if you want to you know commit podcast treason. Um, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Alex, you got a prop on this as well, don't you? Prop I love, Brinson. Yeah, I think this matchup just sets up very well for Amon, Ron, St. Brown. He continues to be, or he was the engine of the Lions passing offense. Uh, since he's entered the league, I think that's going to continue, obviously, in his third year. His target uh, his target volume was extremely reliable last year. 29% of his routes. That is the second highest rate in the NFL behind only Tyreek Hill. His targets also come at a very shallow depth, which is great for receptions props as well. We're going over six and a half receptions here. He was a a first read on 21% of his routes. That is 96th percentile. This guy basically checks every single box. This is also a great matchup against the Chiefs, who uh, throw the ball as much as any team in the NFL that creates a lot of very high volume passing environments. Opponents average 36.9 passing attempts against Kansas City. That was the second most in the NFL. Uh, Also, the there's just uh, there's fewer uh, kind of competition for St. Brown as well. If we look at the rest of these Detroit pass catchers, so I could see him easily eclipsing double digit targets. There are a lot of high success uh, routes as well, close to the line of scrimmage. I love him to get at least seven catches tonight. 
I don't mind if he gets seven catches, but I very riskily took him under on his receiving yards tonight because I did notice that he, he hit the under in seven of his last 10 games last year. And and the average is about uh, five yard or four yards higher than uh, what he averaged last year. So we'll see. Very risky. I don't know if that one's going to work out for me. Um, all right. That's going to do it for our show. But Brinson, uh, tell everybody about Sunday night. Oh, yeah. Sunday night. Uh, we'll have the recap, the Super Friends recap, the uh, the. the you know, the show the show you've known and loved for years. Me, thank you, Ryan Wilson Grumpy, along with John Breach as we recap all of Sunday night's action or Sunday's action. Uh, make sure and tune in live after Sunday <laughs> Night Football here on the YouTube page. Yes, absolutely. And also remember to like, comment, and subscribe on that YouTube page if you're listening to the audio version only. Download, follow, leave a five-star review, tell your friends to listen and watch the pod. Good luck with your bets, and uh, you will see the Super Friends on Sunday night.